Paul was in Jerusalem and there were rumors surrounding his ministry. Now we'll talk about that and more in about five minutes time in the teaching. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 every year. This is very exciting. Now, Ryan is here to tell us what he's doing, plus we have a guest, but go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> all right, well, today I'm talking about Paul the imposter. Well, what's that all about? Join me a little later on in the program. We'll talk about it. All right, very good, Janice. It's Friday. That means I have a question just for you and for our guest, Cal, and Ryan to answer today. I'm going to ask it anywhere from Acts chapter 6 all the way through to the 23rd chapter. Be My ready. My goodness, that's mm -hmm. a long that's a lot of information. All right. <laughs> Calvin Smith is here from Answers in Genesis. Calvin, we'll talk to you later. Good okay. to see you. All right, now let's open up our Bibles and learn what God is saying to us today. Acts 21, 15 through 25. And after those days we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Nassan of Cyprus, an early disciple, with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them, and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads, and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Acts chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. Acts chapter 21, 22, and 23. That's what we study today as we continue on in God's wonderful word. The law of God as we read it in Exodus, in Leviticus, in Numbers, and in Deuteronomy is so very important to the Jewish faith that it rules how they conduct themselves and defines their existence and their resurrection. The law of God is very important to the Christian faith as well. But how we are saved from our sin and from the ravages of hell and how we are raised from the dead after this life is through believing in and having faith in Jesus the Christ. 
Now, the Apostle Paul was very wise as a Jewish man who encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his calling by Christ, Paul began to preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, those who were not from Jewish descent. The book of Acts claims three times that the Gentiles were not required to think about the law the way that many Jews did in that day. Christians are followers of Jesus Christ who fulfill the law and the prophets. He will lead us into relationship with God. Now, this is very, very important. And as we begin to study today, we begin to realize a couple of things. First of all, in chapter 21, which is where we'll study, we're going to be talking about Paul's journey to Jerusalem. And then we're going to talk roughly about Paul arrives at Jerusalem and then Paul's arrested there. And then Paul speaks to the crowd. Then in chapter 22, it's interesting because as he's speaking to the crowd, Paul reveals his Roman citizenship in this conversation. And then Paul, before the, before the high council, it's interesting. And then the plan to kill Paul comes into place and Paul is then sent to Caesarea. All of this is covered in the reading today. Now we're going to focus on the law continues. Acts chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. Take your Bible guide and turn to it today as we continue to go through God's Word. And let me just say briefly here that we want to thank you for your support in the program. We pay for airtime in many of these stations, and we have bills to pay as well. And so by giving, you've chosen what's important to you. You've chosen that the reading and the teaching of God's Word is very important to you. So God sees that gift. So thank you so much for that as the Lord continues to fund us as we go forward. So thank you for that. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, call us or write us, but go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can click on it. It'll take you to a donate page and then it'll take you to a page where you can download it as it is. We've got many thousands of people who do that. So thank you so much for doing that. Let's pray and listen to what is happening here. Father, I pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would hear your word because this is what tells us how to think. You know, we, we don't want to think and then try to get the word to fit into our thinking, but we want you to change us, change our hearts, Lord, and help us today in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen, or make it so, Lord. Amen. All right. Now, Acts chapter 21, beginning with verse 15, let's go down to verse 15. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Mason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all of the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told them in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Now, this is fascinating because we have to conclude this. Paul goes to Jerusalem with the Jewish disciples and the Lord begins to reward and encourage Paul for his faithfulness. You know, one thing that you can always be sure of when you read the word of God 
and you apply it to your life and you make it faithful, you become faithful, God's Holy Spirit helps you, that is something that is a reward. And your faithfulness will be rewarded in heaven. Very interesting, isn't it? So Paul is rewarded. Now let's go on in chapter 21, verse 20. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and they said to him, you see, brother, how many Mareds of Jews there are who have believed and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. This is fascinating. You see, Paul comes back to Jerusalem and Paul was advised to make peace about a rumor going around about his teaching. Beloved, listen, there will always be disagreements between people in the church. It's true. There will always be people who don't understand like you do and you don't understand like they do. But God has pulled us together that we can work this out between us that we can come to the presence because I don't need to believe like me, you don't need to believe like you, but we both need to believe as God instructs us. That's important. We seem to have forgotten that today, but we need to remember that the Bible tells us. Remember, God said to Isaiah, who was a trained prophet, he said, Isaiah, come, let us reason together. Let us reason together and present his prophecy. What a fascinating Study of how God reasons with us. All right, verses 24 say, Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things of which we were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood and from things strangled and from sexual immorality. That back in Acts chapter 15. Paul had to deal with the Jewish legalism of his time. There are those who remain involved with the law of the Bible in the church. They say, well, the church says this, the church doctrine says that, but Hold on a minute. We don't need to be concerned about the church doctrine. We need to be concerned about God's teaching. That's what we need to be. What does the Bible say? Let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear. And how the Holy Spirit reveals that to us is very, very important. Beloved, we need to remember that. We need to understand that God is revealing to us what he is saying from his word right now in this time as prophecy emerges in front of our eyes, we are witness to this, we need to understand what God desires. Do you know what God desires? God desires for you, sir, you, ma'am, you, father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, come to Jesus. 
Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the program. Today our assigned reading is Acts chapters 21 to 23, and as I was studying this passage, one part in particular really jumped out at me. And it's chapter 21, where Paul is arrested by the Romans, but they have no idea who he is. As a matter of fact, the Roman commander says to Paul, Are you not the Egyptian who sometimes stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins into the wilderness? Now, me and my curiosity got me to wondering just who exactly this Egyptian rebel was and what that rebellion entailed. Now, of course, the book of Acts doesn't give us any more details about this since that's not Luke's purpose here. But interestingly, the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus does tell us a little bit more about this Egyptian as well as the overall state that the nation was in. Check it out. When Paul the Apostle expressed his desire to return to Jerusalem as part of his third missionary journey, his friends and companions cried and pleaded with him not to return there for fear of his life. In fact, even a prophet named Agabus came to Paul from Judea and took the Apostle's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said the Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Yet despite even this illustrative warning, Paul could not and would not be dissuaded. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart, he replied. I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So onward to Jerusalem he went, and as predicted, Paul was seized and handed over to Rome. But interestingly, the Roman commander did not know who he had in custody. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Although the Bible gives no further detail regarding this Egyptian terrorist, the Jewish historian Josephus, in his Antiquities of the Jews, documents this particular event, as well as the overall state of turmoil the nation was in. Now as for the affairs of the Jews, says Josephus, they grew worse and worse continually, for the country was again filled with robbers and impostors, who deluded the multitude. These works that were done by the robbers filled the city with all sorts of impiety, and now these impostors and deceivers persuaded the multitude to follow them into the wilderness, and pretended that they would exhibit manifest wonders and signs that should be performed by the providence of God. Moreover, there came out of Egypt about this time to Jerusalem one that said he was a prophet, and advised the multitude of the common people to go along with him to the Mount of Olives, as it was called, which lay over against the city and at the distance of five furlongs. He said further that he would show them from hence how at his command the walls of Jerusalem would fall down, and he promised them that he would procure them an entrance into the city through those walls when they were fallen down. Now when Felix was informed of these things, he ordered his soldiers to take their weapons, and came against them with a great number of horsemen and footmen from Jerusalem, and attacked the Egyptian and the people that were with him. He also slew four hundred of them, and took two hundred alive. But the Egyptian himself escaped out of the fight, but did not appear any more. So it was this particular Egyptian impostor for whom Paul was misidentified. 
However, as Paul informed the Roman commander, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Thus, in stark contrast to these all too common robbers and impostors, Paul was an apostle of light, preaching the truth of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might be wondering what my purpose was for focusing on some details that weren't given in the Bible. Well, there's actually a few reasons. One reason is to show that historical documents outside of the Bible agree with what's recorded in the Bible. Now, that's important. But another reason was to show the state of turmoil that the nation was in, so you can understand why the Romans were so aggressive. And this was the state of the world Paul was living in at the time. But the most important reason of all was to show the clear difference between the true apostles of God, like Paul, and the false ones, like this Egyptian. We should all heed the warning that Jesus gave in Matthew 24. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So may we not be deceived. Make sure you know what the voice of your Lord and your master, Jesus Christ, sounds like. You know, Flavius Josephus was not somebody uh, who was popular in his time. No, he was not. He, he was a very, very interesting character. And uh, it's just interesting that what he says matches with what the Bible is talking about. So very good. Janice? Yes, well, we have our Friday question, but before I go to that, I do want to say that if you're a new viewer, our daughter is usually sitting at the table with us. She's on maternity leave right now. And so uh, she has a recap program that she does for the reading that we've gone through Monday through to Friday. And if you want to catch her on that, it's she and her husband, you just go to YouTube and type in her name, Corey Babechko. Now, did I get that right, Ryan? You did. That's right. right. Just check, look for her channel, uh, which is her name, Corey Babechko. All right. Now, here we go. Now, and this is also going to in, include our special guest today. And actually, well, I'm going to introduce in a moment. Yes, and Calvin, you're going to be with us for seven programs. So yes. we are so glad that you're here. Putting you on the spot the very first day, <laughs> you and Ryan together. So this is a question anywhere from Acts chapter 6 through to 23. Here it is for you at home and for Ryan and Cal here. Who was so happy and excited that Peter was at the door of the gate, she forgot to open the door. Was that Lydia, Rhoda, or Tabitha? It's a good question. What do you think? think Who was so excited that Peter was at the door? (laughs) This isn't isn't in Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) And Cal will explain that statement later as well. The person from Answers in Acts come on your your show here. You're going to embarrass me, but I don't know. Ryan, you're saying? Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, number two, Rhoda. I'll go with Tabitha. You're going to go with Tabitha? All right. And Rod, who would you go with? Rhoda. Yeah. And what about you at home? All right. Let's take a look. Who was so happy and excited that Peter was at the door of the gate? Remember, he was in prison and he was released and a body of believers was in a house praying. It was actually Rhoda. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice... Because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. That's <laughs> Acts 12, 13 and 14. Good try. Good now, this, try. Is, this is exciting because Calvin is here. <laughs> Calvin Smith and I have been friends for a long time. Calvin is the Answers in Genesis Canadian side. Uh, you're the executive director. Yep. Uh, and it's good to have you here. It's Thank great to be here. Being with it's good us. to see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about your Answers in Genesis role. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, before we do that, I have to ask a question. Mm -hmm. And the question is, when did Jesus Christ become more than a name to you? And what are the details of that? Yeah, well, it's a question I get asked all the time because as an apologist going around speaking at churches, defending the authority of the Bible, uh, people want to know because they, they hear I had quite an atheistic background, right? I grew up uh, in a family where my parents were not Christian, so the Bible was not held to any degree um, at all. And growing up in the state-run school system here in Canada, I had fully embraced uh, atheism, uh, evolution being the way I understood how we got here. I considered that fact in science. So when Christians would approach me, I would just be like, hey, you know, I already know how I got here. Pond scum, billions of years right? Accepted that. So it wasn't until I got invited to hear a, uh, a person speak on a Sunday morning, and I knew the person casually from business, and I, I respected the man. Uh, he was quite intelligent. Um, and I actually walked into the service very, <laughs> very boldly with a, a, a clipboard and a pen, pencil. I was like, why? Wow, what's this guy going to say? And I thought he was going to be pounding out Bible verses or whatever like that. But uh, he'd studied medicine, uh, he'd read Origin of Species, and he did a very good job of dismantling uh, the story of evolution. And so I didn't get saved at that service, but it really impacted me because I was like, okay, well, if evolution's not all it's cracked up to be, that there's only one other option, God. And so now I was much more open to the concept that God existed. Um, you know, Hebrews eleven six says, those who come to him must come to him by faith, but must believe he exists. And so I was more open to the concept that God, maybe God did exist and went back a year later, heard the same man preach. And um, of course, he did some apologetics, but apologetics doesn't save anybody. The gospel <laughs> saves people. And so he laid out, you know, God's law, um, you know, lying, thievery, adultery, uh, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain, etc. And it really impacted me. I came under condemnation. I, I, I knew, you know, I... I wouldn't want anybody to steal things from me, but yeah, I've stolen things. I wouldn't want anybody to lie to me, but yeah, I'd lied, you know. And I, I felt the conviction. And then he, he presented the gospel message in a very interesting way. And he said, imagine the day you're born, an invisible camera comes into being, and it starts recording everything you think and you say and you do, all those things you think you do when nobody's watching. And then when you die, you're standing in front of God, and God's like, you know, I was taking it personally at this point. So it was like, hey, Cal, how you doing? You know, and you're standing in front of God and, and God says to you, hey, um, let's just sit down on this warm, comfy couch here and we're going to play the DVD of your life that this camera's recorded. So let's just watch your life in slow motion and see if you're good enough to be with me in eternity. And I'd been a pretty busy boy up to that point in my life. And I knew exactly what I'd done. And I was think sitting there thinking to myself, I wouldn't want to do that with my mom. <laughs> let alone the God of the universe. And he said, but if you're a Christian, it's as if at that point, Jesus comes along and says, no, no, Father, play my DVD instead. My life as a substitute for his and base your judgment on my life, the perfect sinless son of mm -hmm. God. And that was the first time I understood who Jesus was. Now, when you understood that, okay, yeah. and, and you got that, how did you respond? I repented of my sin and accepted Christ as my savior because that twofold, you know, uh, acknowledgement that yes, I was a sinner. I'd willfully sinned against the God of the universe. And then that presentation of how you can be saved. I, uh, I accepted Christ as my savior. 
And it was a very difficult um, thing for me. I remember I was away in, in Portland and I flew home to, uh, to Cambridge. I was living there in, in Canada at the time. And I had a Bible and I had this little tract and it said, three steps, what just happened? And I remember sitting my, in my bathtub, reading that tract going, what just happened? Because I didn't know what happened. I knew everything was different. But because I had no church background, I hadn't gone to church or anything like that, I had no <laughs> way to understand my conversion experience. Mm. And so, you know, I just started reading my Bible and I joke with people, but I go, guess where I started? Genesis, because it's a book. And every other book in my life, I started in the beginning. You know, I wasn't educated enough to start in John or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was it. That was renewing of my mind. I literally went from saying, well, God really doesn't exist and, you know, accepting atheistic evolution and, and so on to, oh, wow, God created in six days and rested on the seventh and that's how he did it. And so it was always a, a puzzle to me when I, when I, you know, finally got involved in church and, and, and hanging out with other Christians and stuff and, and meeting Christians that didn't accept the Bible as plainly written, especially in Genesis, because that is the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. So that's just uh, interesting how the, how the Lord fashioned me for... <laughs> you, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right you said, repent of your sins. What did yeah. you mean, repent of your sins? What does that word mean? To turn away, to, you know, it doesn't mean that I haven't sinned since then, because I, I freely admit that I have. Um, but it's not my desire. My desire is to serve Christ mm -hmm. as, my, as my King, my Lord, mm -hmm. and, and my Savior, and to reflect Him in as much of a way as possible. You know, it's not just a, a, a set of rules. You know, it's like, well, why is lying wrong? Lying is wrong because it doesn't reflect who Christ is, because God is truth and God is not a man that he should lie. And so when I lie, I disrespect and dishonor my creator because I'm acting in opposition to who he is. Um, why is stealing wrong? Because God is the giver of all things. And when I steal something, I'm acting in a way that does not reflect our creator because he he's the giver of everything and I'm not. You know, if if we're we're to murder, we're taking a life. That's not our God is the giver of life. He's the one who can do that. So we're not reflecting who God is. So hmm. repenting of my sin, you know, to me it's just I don't want to sin. I don't want to dishonor Christ. I don't want to dishonor God. I want to reflect him in everything I do. I fail constantly. <laughs> just admit it. But that's what I mean. Today we pray and thank you for praying with our people, but we have a prayer meeting live on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time in the United States of America. Join us wherever you are in the world and we'll pray for you. Today we need to pray and help us to pray this way, Lord. Lord, help me not to judge people. Help me not to judge people but help me to love them as you. Do. 